Welcome to Command of Rome, a Star Trek podcast. I'm your host, Caitlin. And I'm your host, Jen. This week we're discussing Star Trek Discovery Season 2, Episode 6, The Sounds of Thunder. This episode was written by Bo Yun Kim and Erica LePolt. They were story editors and writers on Season 1, and they wrote the episode Into the Forest I Go, and they also wrote the Short Treks episode The Brightest Star, and they have a writing credit for Season 2, Episode 12. This was directed by Doug Arniokoski, who directed the Season 1 episode Lethe, and the Short Treks episode The Brightest Star, and will direct Episode uh, 12 of Season 2 as well. Which makes me wonder if it's going to be another Saru episode. That'd be interesting. I do hope we come back, although I assumed we wouldn't until next season. Mm-hmm. But we'll see. So, yeah, so this writers and director have worked on uh, the short trek that had to do with Saru and also this episode. But maybe it'll be something completely different. Who knows? Perhaps. Mm-hmm. But I guess it makes sense to have the same crew because they were probably filmed at the same time. That could be, yeah. Um, this episode was 55 minutes long. And how did you like this episode, Kate? I liked it. Yeah? Yeah. That's nothing nothing special. Nothing like over the top, but mm-hmm. I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of a... Uh, I did enjoy it. It has its uh, flaws in it. But uh, it was overall just a, a good, watchable episode. I did like that our theory that the Baul were Kelpians turned out wrong. Like, I like how... I like what they did mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was good. Uh, there were lots of theories when the promo image was released about the Baul being related to one of the aliens that's seen in The Next Generation. The name of which is escaping me, but there was a sim- similarly You're supposed like... to be our expert, Jen. I know. It's the the alien that's seen in like the last episode with Tasha Yar, and it's he's got a specific name. But anyways, it was just the superficial appearance was all that was based on. Right. I am curious how they made this slime happen. Because for the Next Generation episode, it was like Typesetters Inc. and Metamucil or something. And Jonathan Frakes had to, like, be submerged in it. Ew. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this one might might have just been CG. That's true. That's true. Um, I'm seeing lots, or a few tweets and, and posts and things about the actor uh, who did the work for the Baul that we see on screen. Mm-hmm. I think he did a really good job. Yeah, it was good. Yeah. Uh, Shall we talk a bit about the sort of secondary storyline that's going on with the space booze? Uh, Yes. There wasn't that much of it, right? It was just... Yeah, they just had a few scenes, I think, overall. Mm -hmm. How did you like the comparison they're sort of drawing between Saru's evolution and what's happened to Dr. Culber. I didn't really pick up on a comparison, really. Was there one? Well, at the beginning, Saru is kind of 
talking to Culber in the medical bay about, you know, going through something transformative. I think Saru is kind of maybe drawing on his experience to try and provide comfort for Culber. Oh, well, I don't I don't think it worked. I think it's kind of a completely different thing. Also, while we were in the medical bay, all I really remember thinking is, I did not think Culber had muscles like that. <laughs> like, they were intense. Well, they gave him back a pristine body, and I guess that means that the muscular toned form... Dude does not look like a doctor. I didn't know doctors had a body type, Kate. <laughs> Well, he doesn't look like any doctor I've visited. Oh, okay. I guess that's fair. I actually took, like, I really didn't like Saru's comparison at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Because uh, he specifically says, like, you know, going through something transformative is, you know, you don't feel like you used to be, but maybe you feel like who you were meant to become. Yeah, this is probably why I just immediately forgot it, because I think Suru was doing his own thing, and Culver has his own thing going on, and they just sort of happen to be in the same space. Yeah. Well, and it just reminded me of, like, again, the sort of thing that's evoked by people who are religious about things happen to people for a reason, and this is part of your destiny. And I think saying that to somebody who's just going through, like, a violent and traumatic experience is kind of a shitty tactic designed to make the person who hasn't gone through the trauma feel better. Right. So. I didn't really see that. I just think Saru is too wrapped up in his own thing right now to really be thinking about it from from Culber's perspective. That's a fair in-character explanation for it, but I don't like the fact that the writers even had it in there. Like, I didn't mind everything based, like, him talking about going through a transformative experience, fine. But as soon as he added the, like, maybe it's about who you're meant to become, you know, like, saying to somebody who has had their neck broken and been brutally murdered that, you know, yeah, that was just part of what you had to go through to become the, the person that you're meant to be. Just, you know... Right. I see what you're saying. I just don't think of it the same way. Okay. Like, I genuinely think Saru was just wrapped up in his own stuff. And I, I even think the writers wrote it that way. Maybe Saru just shouldn't have been there at all because he was too wrapped up in his own stuff. But I don't think the writers were thinking that that was a good thing to say to Culber. I genuinely think they were like, Saru's too, too in his own head right now. He wouldn't, he wouldn't be saying smart things. So you think maybe they picked the line that would seem that way on purpose to show that Saru's not in his own head? Not so much like picked the line to show that, just that's the way they were writing Saru in this scene, that he was not thinking properly. Mm. Anyways, it really grated on me. And yeah, I'll be interested to see if anybody else had a strong reaction to it. And then... The only other thing I wanted to say about it is, again, the doctor's like, yeah, you're almost ready to go back to your old life. Again, Based... I read that as more like, we're not going to put you on active duty, but you seem fine. Right. You don't have to sit here in the medical bay. Yeah. 
Gotcha. I yeah, I didn't okay. think they were just going to be like, well, he's been dead for a while. His psyche's probably fucked up. I mean, Discovery does have a bad reputation where this is concerned about fucked up psyches. Yes. But I don't think they're going to just be like, well, you're head doctor again. He wasn't head doctor before. I don't know these things. Whatever. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, and that's all we really get for a secondary storyline on this one. Yeah, everything else is really just Saru, Saru, Saru. Yep. And yep. Michael trailing around with a translator for us. Uh, yeah. Saru and Pike did get some lines together. It wasn't much, though. No, no, definitely not. Um, but they at least did get a little bit of lines back and forth. And at least, like, again, there's, like, a few in-episode, like, reasons why Saru's not with Pike. It's like, well, yeah, Pike, like, Pike's having a conference, and Saru has to be the guy on the bridge who's running the ship, so. I just feel like you're you're trying to excuse the show. No, 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 I'm not, I'm not trying to excuse the show. Uh-huh. But at least in, like, the one scene, it made sense that Saru wouldn't be there because he's on the, like, in the captain's seat. Right. And then they had that That good moment, moment where he didn't get out of the captain's seat. Yes. That did you good. enjoy that moment? Yeah. I did. I loved a lot of the subtlety where it was just kind of, like, Pike giving him a look. Yeah, I thought it was good. Yeah, it it's a good way of showing the differences that have happened in Saru without, like, banging them into our head. True. So, Ash is pointing out that the Red Angel might be causing the crisis events. Right. And so it might not be as benevolent as uh, Pike and the Discovery seem to be assuming. Which, and... I don't think anybody's assuming it's benevolent. Like, other than me. Right, and lots of other fans, I'm sure. Yeah, that's, like, I think that that conversation only makes sense because the fans are assuming that. I honestly don't think so far we've seen anybody on the ship say, these Red Angels are great. Well, they, I think that Michael might have pointed out that the Red Angels seem to be bringing them to places so that they can help people. Yeah, but only in, like, an observation way. She's not saying, and that probably means they are good people. Right, right. You know, she was just noting what's been happening. Mm -hmm. So the pattern. I actually don't think that conversation makes any sense when you take the audience out of the context. Hmm. Good point. Um, and it's really just to sort of set up a bit of conflict between Ash and Pike, I think. Yeah, which I actually don't mind. Yeah, I kind of liked it. And I do think Ash would be somebody who is more paranoid about things than everybody else considering everything that he's gone through so yeah so that makes sense to me yeah like you've been uh the person about whom conspiracy theories are correct yeah exactly so yeah um so then they find a signal over kaminar of course yes they show up and decide to go down and talk to the village to see what they might know about things going on. So Burnham and Saru go down there, and we get to meet Sarana, Saru's sister. I wonder if everybody's named that way. <sighs> if they have like a... Like a sibling pattern. A sibling. Right. Yep. That would piss me off. 
Well, maybe not if it was my culture, but if my parents had done that to me and my sister. Right, no, right. Do. <laughs> I I know people who were named that way, and I would not have liked that. My mom already calls me Megan more than Caitlin, so. Oh, yeah. I Having had that experience in my childhood and then starting to do that with my kids' names that are not alike... It's like, why would you add the extra difficulty of having them, like, rhyme and things like that? Anyway. Yep. Uh, so we find out a little bit about the Kelpian culture. Uh, we find out that Kelpians have no hunger or poverty. Which is sort of strange because... Well, I mean, it's not strange. I'm just saying that the way they're... I guess they're all just like little utopian villages, which means they work hard a lot. But if they don't really have like a money system and they don't let people be homeless, like, I don't know, that just seems it just seems like worldwide there's no poverty. Yeah, it's like, are there weather variations that cause problems with food supply? Like, do they just it seems like the priests might travel, but it doesn't seem like. There's, like, any sort of migrant population or anything like that. Um, I guess there is, like, an artificial population cap with the bowel doing the culling, right? Sure, but they must have bad harvests. They must have bad people, you know? like That was one of my criticisms with the storyline overall, is they find out, okay, actually, at one point, the bowel were almost wiped out to the the point of extinction because of the evolved Kelpians. Then the bowel came back and wiped out the evolved Kelpians. But now we're going to evolve the Kelpians again, and they're all just going to be peaceful and fine. Like, I didn't really have a problem with that because I thought it was more like they were at war before, you know? And that's how that'll end. Basically, the, the bowel won the war. Right, but now you've got thousands of Kelpians who have been lied to, who realize that their family members have been murdered for generations by the Ba'ul. That's fair. And they're just going to be like, yeah, no, we're all, it's okay, I feel fine about this now. (laughs) Right? Like, I um, I do suspect that Pike is going to alert, like, some Federation people and be like, yeah, they're going to need help. Please come moderate this. Because they, they... But here we get into this thing of, like, Starfleet being the, the savior role. Um, Kelpians are not... Kelpians and the Ba'ul, neither of them are affiliated with Starfleet or the Federation at all. Mm. A Starfleet ship has just come into their territory, made a decision that has altered the balance of power, and then is going to post a ship here to monitor things and make sure they behave. Like, this just strikes me as a little bit of, like, colonialism. Yeah. Do you do you disagree with what they did? Well, I don't disagree with the specific act. Like, I don't disagree with undoing the bowels' oppression. But the fact that it was done in such a drastic manner... I think it would have been less drastic if they hadn't tried to murder everyone. Well... True. Stopping the genocide was important as well. But a big part of it will also be if Starfleet now self-appoints themselves as the watchers to make sure everything goes okay. I mean, it'll be one thing if the Ba'ul and the Kelpians 
come to some sort of agreement to have them there. But if Starfleet's just like, no, we're going to watch this and you guys are going to have to, like, if, if there's disagreements, like, moderate through us. I was envisioning it more like Starfleet was going to volunteer and be like, if you need us, let us know. But okay. I, I can see where you're coming from also. It does. It is not great of them. But it also wouldn't be great if they came in, helped the the Kelpians take back, and then just GTFO'd like it wasn't their problem. Well, that's true. Because, I mean, one of Michael's points about why this is okay to do is because the Bowels still have technological superiority. And so I'm like, yeah, what's to stop them from just, like, starting a technological war on the planet? Like, they already have these beacons that can, you know, destroy villages. Well, I assume the pillars are dead now. Like, dead, dead, okay. Yeah, like, I they weren't just they'd... stopped. I, I assumed that they were, like, deactivated or whatever. It would make sense for them to be, like, completely irreparable and things like that, but... And it doesn't seem like there's much of a bowel presence left on the planet. Yeah, they were all, like, underwater, weren't they, or something? Didn't something rise yeah. from the water? Yeah, a building rose from the water. I assumed that was the bowel. Isn't that... wasn't it? Well, but is that the only thing they have on the whole planet, that one thing? Well, I just mean that maybe that's where they live, underwater. Oh, like in general. Huh, that would be an interesting thought. That hadn't occurred to me. I had just thought, they, because they're space-faring, that maybe they were, like, off living on spaceships and exploring other planets in the quadrant and things like that. Maybe. But, but they didn't... You could be on something. They didn't seem terribly exploratory. And even if they do... Their home, all their like homes and stuff might be underwater. They're certainly very drippy. <laughs> drippy, yeah. <laughs> yeah. What else do we need to discuss in the. I don't know. I don't really think much else really happened other than the good look at the Red Angel we got. We didn't get anything more about Spock. Mm -hmm. Other than like the very end, we didn't get anything more about the Red Angels. Mm -hmm. We didn't really learn more about Saru, really. We see the spikes that form. Oh, that's true. His, like, weaponized head area. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, I felt the bit at the end with some of the drones and things to be a bit, like, they keep having the chance to kill Saru and not killing Saru. It's like, he, he beams over there for the culling and then is, like, held prisoner a bunch so that they can talk some more. And then they send in a drone to, like, slowly kill him, but it's moving really slow. <laughs> and yeah. I'm like, you have you have pillars that can just, like, zap and explode villages, like, just... They may not know. have, like, at first, they may not have wanted to kill Saru because he is a Starfleet officer. Mm, and that would incur the... Yeah, possibly. One of the things I did like about this episode mm -hmm. is it established more of a timeline between when Saru was... Uh, left the planet, and now. Yeah, what was the timeline? I I watched this a couple days ago. Eighteen years. Oh shit! I didn't. Yeah. I guess. Yeah, I guess that makes sense because, Sir um, Giorgio, Giorgio. was just an officer. That's right. She was a lieutenant, and this also makes more sense to me as to like, oh yeah, Saru has had a chance to learn a lot of stuff, mm -hmm. and go from like. The village, and they explain a bit that he co-opted the bowel technology, and then... Whose years? He... 18 what? <laughs> like, like, the... what? 
that I know what you're thinking because like a year is like the time it takes our planet to go around the sun, but of course we know that different planets travel around their stars at different lengths of time. Um, just assume Earth years. It, you you can't think about it too much because then you start thinking like yeah the, the length of time in a day is also dictated by like the human experience of our own sun. Okay. Okay, we're just yeah. gonna we're just gonna leave that. All right, cool, cool, yeah. cool. It it's come up in Star Trek. Um, like they do say in Deep Space Nine that Bajor has a twenty six hour day. Mm-hmm. So the space the space station like adapts to that because they're like at Bajor. So, yeah. I like two extra hours for sleeping. See, my first immediate thought was the opposite. I'd be so tired having to. <laughs> Be up at two extra hours every day. No, oh, you'd have like a nap in the middle of the afternoon. Great. Oh, that would be lovely. I was going to say the only other thing that I would say is that this episode undergoes a lot of decisions based on Saru, who is, you know, clearly not thinking right. Pike is the only one who seems to have any reservations about it. Mm-hmm. And... I think that while the decisions were necessary to save the people, they were perhaps still not made by the coolest of heads. But it was still an enjoyable episode. Yeah, and there was a time limit. Like, everybody was going to die. Yeah, yeah, that is true. So they had to make quick decisions. Yes. The only other thing that I really want to bring up plot-wise... Mm-hmm. Did you catch the uh, uh, the burn that Ash got on Pike at the end? Um, not specifically. Okay, uh, the scene where they're sitting there at the end, mm-hmm. and uh, Ash is saying that Section Thirty One is rightfully alarmed when something with advanced technology alters the fates of entire species. Right, and he's referring to the Red Angel because Saru's advanced eyesight let him see that it looked like a humanoid mm-hmm. wearing a mechanized suit. Right. And Pike comes back with uh, that he thinks their threat assessment models are a bit paranoid. And then Ash says, those of us who fought in the last war, some of us are still torn apart and are rightfully concerned right. about going through that again. And then Pike's sitting there at the table, and it was like, Ash knows that Pike didn't fight in that war. Okay, see, I'd forgotten that Pike didn't fight in the war, so I thought this was just a conversation. Oh, no, no, no. I was like, yeah, Ash and Pike are totally squaring off. And no, I got that. I just didn't yeah. get that he would. I thought it was more pointed about his own experience and not so much about Pike. Oh, okay. But well, I think he was like using his own experience to sort of get a dig at Pike. Yeah, I'd completely forgotten that Pike and the uh, Enterprise didn't fight in the war. Yeah. So yeah, and then what do you think of Michael's decision to go back to Vulcan? It sounds like another excuse to not have them find Spock next episode. I think we will see Spock flashbacks. But you know what I mean, right? Like it just seems <laughs> oh, yeah. like almost every episode we're like, okay, so we're not getting Spock because of such and such a thing. Mm-hmm. And... I just feel like, you know, they sort of made this promise at the beginning of the season with the trailers and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And I'm sick of them dragging it out. Yeah. And this season does have 14 episodes. 
So next episode, we will be halfway through. I mean, if she hadn't mentioned going back to Vulcan, I would have assumed we were finding Spock next episode. Right. Right. Like, we still might. It might happen at the very end. But it, mm -hmm. it does make it sound like we're going to have a little bit more plot or backstory or whatever. Yes. I, I think the same thing. I think it's going to be a big thing of, like, Michael going back to Vulcan or remembering all these events from her childhood. We will find out the terrible thing that Michael did. We might get some Amanda, possibly some Sarek. And then I think at the end, Michael's going to be like, I know where Spock is. Yeah. Because um, next season, or next episode is called Light and Shadows. And then episode eight is called If Memory Serves. Yeah. So I assume in by eight, we're going to have some Spock. But it just does. <sighs> I'm just done with all this. <laughs> you know like just give us the answers already right right like next week it will have been seven episodes like give us something yeah i think we'll see more space booze getting on i think that uh stamets is going to realize that his husband is not like i think it was confirmed that it is boyfriend is it boyfriend I okay i think somebody on like one of the writers or whatever confirmed that on twitter Right. Because I, Matthew, or, or maybe it wasn't Matthew, maybe it was uh, somebody else. Somebody pointed it out to me after I had that dilemma. Oh, uh, okay. Okay, but I think that, you know, Stamets is going to realize that his boyfriend is not in the same space of, like, wanting to hug and kiss and make everything better. Right. I do hope that that remains in the B story until we finally get somewhere with our overarching plot. I'm wondering if we might have a couple episodes where they bring it to more prominence so that they can delay Spock some more. Oh, for fuck's sake. But no. <laughs> yeah. No, I know. I know. I'm not saying I want it. I honestly don't think they can because we've got Light and Shadows, If Memory Serves, and then Project... Oh, I hate saying that word. Daedalus? Daedalus? Whatever. And then an okay. episode called The Red Angel. Right. So presumably by episode 10. Right. Well, maybe one of the next episodes will be more Call Burst to Mets. I, I would prefer if they remain B story until after 10. And then after that, they can have an episode. An episode. Okay. Well, let's see if the writers have catered to Kate's preference. I kind of almost wish there was a mid-season break in this one just to break stuff up. Because I feel like that would... That would have forced them to move the story along a little bit more than it has been. Because hmm. they wouldn't want to leave a mid-season break on nothing. Right. But then hmm. I'm also glad we don't have like four weeks of no episodes, so I don't know. Yeah. It's possible I'm just very impatient. <laughs> I thought it was really cool that we did get to see Arium doing something different. Right, yes. I thought of you. When she was... Yeah. Yeah. And I, there was a few really cool, like, shots this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them was that, like, close-up on Arium's face as she is analyzing the data and looking for info on Kelpians. And uh, Tilly has that cute line, by we, I really just meant Arium. Yeah. And I'm glad to see a return of good... You know, good, awkward, funny Tilly. Although yes. it's been like two episodes without Reno now, and I'm getting antsy. 
Just yeah. Throw that out there. I haven't checked the IMDb info for the future episodes to see if she's... I don't want to because I don't want to know that it's going to be a no for a long time, you know? I, I understand completely. And then back to a serious note uh, with this episode. Uh, somebody pointed out online that this episode could be seen as like an allegory for the situation of Israel and Palestine. I genuinely do not know enough about that situation to have any sort of comment or opinion. Okay. Okay. Um, I think it could be seen that way for sure. Um, and again, it's one of those situations in the world that is complicated with layers of history and um, violence and persecution on both sides. And so it's really hard to say, like, Star Trek presents the story in a way of, like, the Kelpians are being oppressed right now by the Ba'ul. The Ba'ul clearly have taken it too far. And so it's always a little more clearly what the action is that should move us forward. And it's good that they do that because, I mean, partly that's sort of what makes a satisfying story in a, in a television context. Mm-hmm. But in real world politics, it isn't always that cut and dry and easy to decide. And, um, but yeah, I thought it was an interesting thing to point out. And if any of our listeners would like to discuss it further, uh, let us know and we can, you know, pick up a conversation about it. Yeah, I, if I try to add something to this conversation, I'll just stick my foot in it because I just don't know enough. Mm -hmm. So that's why I'm. I'm not commenting at all. Right. And it's one of those things where I know just enough to know it's complicated. And... I do know it's complicated. Um, yeah. I know enough of each of the sides to know that there's validity to each of the points. Thought I'd bring it up. Thought it was interesting. It is interesting. Um, I, I kind of hope the writers weren't thinking that, at least not consciously. Right. Because I don't think any of those writers are from that part of the world and right. don't necessarily have intimate knowledge of what's happening over there. Uh, Star Trek has been used a lot to act as an allegory for comments on things happening in the world. So it's a very Star Trek thing of them to have done. If people want to discuss how well they think it was done, I am interested in hearing what you have to say. And... The other thing I would be interested in hearing is if anybody had some thoughts on how uh, this would apply to sort of indigenous representation. That's an interesting thought, just because both of those species are indigenous. Like yeah. Like the Ba'ul and the Kelpian. Yeah. And Star Trek has done some really, really bad storylines in its, you know, 60, 75 years of... Uh, make doing stories mm -hmm. um there's been some that have mostly in the original series but some as well in next generation and i mean we talked about um the problematic elements of the character of chakotay mm -hmm. in voyager and how they didn't actually have a consultant who right yeah you know um so when i was watching it i was trying to look at it for you know is this falling into a stereotype is this I, I, nothing jumped out at me, 
but I also am not a person who is part of like First Nations culture or things like that. So it might not have just have, it might have been something that I didn't see because of my privilege. Right. So um, if anybody did notice anything or read anything that speaks to that, I would also be interested in having discussion about it. So do we want to talk about the Red Angel? Well, I came across a few things that were interesting sort of conspiracy theories, a few that were just funny. So I thought I would just like go through and list them. Okay. And if any of our listeners have any other theories or came come across theories about what the Red Angel actually is, uh, please just add us on Twitter or send us an email and I'll be happy to share any of those as well. Okay, so uh, one of the theories said that the Red Angels are related to the preservers from TOS, um, which is also linked to the Iconians in the next generation. Uh, basically, this is like, from my understanding, it's like an alien species from which um, all other species sort of came. They sort of spread across the universe and seeded planets with humanoid life, which is why so many aliens, you know, walk on two feet and have two arms and are similarly shaped kind of idea. Interesting that they even tried to explain that. Yeah. Two other theories uh, that are kind of related say that it's either Michael or Spock from the future coming back through time to try and fix something Right. that happened. Right. So they're like jumping through time to try and like alter the course of events. Mm -hmm. So that was one theory. Well, one slash two theories. And then the last one that I find the most funny is that this is Jean-Luc Picard, and this is going to be how we link things to his uh, new show. <laughs> <laughs> I also read one that it's the um, the ship's AI. Oh, oh, I like that one. I like the AI or the Michael Spock one, because I think it does kind of make sense. If we're doing time travel, which I like time travel, I know you're not generally partial to it, um, but I I do like when people know what they have to do because they've already done it. You know what I mean? Right, right. I like when time travel plays out that way. I know I'd already done this thing because I saw myself do it. Yeah. In that sort of time loop paradox. Exactly. Yeah. Um, my only question, if it's like Michael or Spock, is it's like... How did they get that advanced technology so that they could jump around time? Like, it doesn't... Well, we don't know yet. Uh, yeah. Remember, like, there's also that whole thing with the Discovery just sitting there waiting for them for eons. Right. So... I like the AI theory. Or it being something completely different. Some other totally different alien species... That has a very fancy, uh, you know, space flight suit. I kind of don't want it to be that. Uh, just because that won't be, it just won't be related, you know? It'll be something brand new that we haven't heard about yet. Well, it could be still related to the uh, Calypso short. Like I guess. I just, I would prefer it to be something that is more part of the show already. Honestly, mm. I wouldn't mind it being Pike, because we know he doesn't go back to the Enterprise. 
Or at least if he does, it's not for very long. Like, Right, we know in ten years that Kirk is on the ship. Yeah. Hmm. Although Pike still has to have an accident and stuff, right? That's that's not just movie canon, that's original series canon, isn't it? Yep. So, I guess it depends if the discovery takes place before the epi- the uh, events in the cage or after the events in the cage. Is the cage considered canon? Because it didn't air, right? Right. I th- hmm. See, having Pike and number one in discovery kind of makes it canon. Right. And it, at least in as much as, you know... And and the later episode of TOS refers to events that happened in the cage. They basically recycled a lot of the footage from the cage for a, essentially a flashback show. Okay, so it is considered canon then, you think? Yes. Okay. I was not sure. Mm-hmm. But, um... Mm-hmm. So that's probably still to happen, you'd think, right? Yeah, I think it might be still to happen. I think that... Or... Or it might have happened while they were off not being in the war. Oh, I suppose that's true. Either way, it'll be interesting to see what happens. And mm-hmm. I like I do kind of hope that from the Calypso short that we get the Discovery or the crew of the Discovery going that far forward in time. And I'd really like the rest of their story to be there. because So like this season happens now and then something happens to like put them future in time and then the rest of the seasons that we see are like in the future because that would make sense about why we've never heard of these people and you know it would just be a good bringing together of the canons yeah i have this feeling that we're like gonna never have heard of these people more because like section 31 is gonna go something's gonna happen and they're gonna have to pretend to disband and it's gonna be like highly classified and Maybe their method of destroying the Discovery is going to be to send the ship alone into the future. I I think there's more going on there, though. But Okay. Well, we will see. We will find out yeah. which of us is right. Like, I don't think they've just sent the ship into the future to hide it. Because the AI was so clear that, they, that she had to stay in that exact spot. Mm-hmm. You know, so I genuinely think the crew is catching up with her. And if she's not in that exact spot, bad things are going to happen. Hmm. I hadn't thought of that. Okay. Interesting. So, yeah, I like it being either the AI or one of the three people mentioned. Mm-hmm. Just because I feel like they have not set up it to be anything else. Right. I really liked that we got this bit of information because of Saru. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was nice that way and it wasn't just like... Oh, Michael saw the angel again, and Michael saw the angel again and scanned it this time. And Yeah, that's true. So. And it made sense, because they have talked about Saru's eyes seeing more than us before. So Yes, yeah. And it shows that it isn't necessarily just about Michael. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. Well, I hope we get Spock next episode, and also some answers. But I yes. have my doubts. Yeah. Anyway, is there anything else we need to talk about this episode? I don't think so. Again, I mentioned okay. that there's no Reno, which is a tragedy. Mm-hmm. And there's really only that one Tilly scene. Also a tragedy. Mm-hmm. That's pretty mm-hmm. much it. Yeah. All right. 
Uh, do you have anything to recommend this week? Uh, I did finish watching uh, The Umbrella Academy. Oh, and okay. that was really good. Um, lots of it's a Netflix series based on some graphic novels, mm-hmm. and it's a really different look. I suppose. Well, it's fun and it's very violent, and it has a really good soundtrack. And I like most of the characters. Some of them are right, douchebags. Yeah. Now, is it season one that's done of like on an ongoing show, or is it like done? No, it's a season one. I hope. <laughs> okay. Because otherwise, fuck that ending. <laughs> That's fair. Okay, I I don't think I've talked about this podcast okay. yet. I have been listening to a podcast, and it's it's kind of um I I'll recommend it with some reservations. Okay. That I if you really like the happy optimism of Star Trek. That you might not want to listen to this podcast. This podcast is called The End of the World. Mm-hmm. It's with Josh Clark. Uh, Josh Clark has been podcasting for a very, very long time with the How Stuff Works Network. He also hosts Stuff You Should Know. Right. And uh, it's, it's all about uh, the numerous ways in which we could have existential crises so right. so those of us with bad anxiety should probably yeah. stay away yeah. that's right that's right if you if you have anxiety don't listen just skip it if you again you really like to have that hopeful vision of like a star trek sort of future you might not want to listen to it either because yeah it's kind of runs the opposite of that a little bit. I haven't listened to all of it. It's only 12 episodes. And but yeah. It's it's interesting and thought-provoking. Okay. Um it was I said you just asked for I was going to say you just asked for podcast recommendations mm-hmm. on Twitter the other day and like I I literally like went to my podcast app and I was like everything that I've like really enjoyed lately with podcasts has been like short like 12 to 15 episodes and then that's it uh, yeah no <laughs> or it's like just one season or it's like stuff like this and i'm like nope kate wouldn't like that nope nope no she's already listening to that one i know yeah i am kind of in the market for a new like at least 100 episode podcast to binge through while i crochet or while i play open world video games that sort of thing because i'm mm-hmm. all the ones that i listen to i've caught up on and i'm just doing week to week and I don't like when I don't have something to binge. Right. And I've gotten some recommendations, but nothing's really clicking. Right. I understand. So if anybody's got recommendations out there, uh, anything other than true crime, because, again, anxiety. Yeah. yeah. I don't want to know. I've got a true crime one to try out, actually, on my list, but I I haven't checked it out yet i mean unless they're fun like lady thieves ones like i don't want murder and serial killing and bullshit no thank you yeah yeah no but i was literally like going through my podcast app just being like no 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 i wouldn't recommend that to kate at all no no well thank you for thinking of me yeah i tried i tried all right so we will talk to everyone next week about episode eight seven Right, seven. Light and Shadows. Light and Shadows is next week. 
Uh, thank you everyone for listening. If you have questions or comments you would like to share, you can email us at acommandofherown at gmail.com. You can get in touch with us on Twitter, where we are at commandofherown. And uh, this week, I you'll probably see some of the screenshots I mentioned posted on our Twitter, because I want to share them. And, uh, yeah. I guess that's it. Alright, bye! Okay, bye!